Lord Stanley in the building tonight as Colorado look to close out the Tampa Bay Lightning in game five of the Stanley Cup final. Nick Kiprios, Josh Santos on tech, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. We got a great, great show, great hour for you in our morning edition of Real Kipper and Bourne teeing up game five. We've got Doug McLean later on on All Bets Are Off Fridays uh, with Mac. We're going to talk also NHL News, Ottawa New Rink. Patrice Bergeron uh, coming back to the Boston Bruins uh, a ton. JT Miller being shopped out of Vancouver. We're going to touch on that as well. But before we get going, guys, I got to revisit my little tirade on uh, the NHL. <laughs> The NHL awards, um, okay. we, we, we ended the show yesterday, and it's been noted by a few, especially my wife, that I kind of <laughs> missed the boat on the NHL awards show, that it wasn't about the players or the host. It was about the presenters and the stories that they shared. And we had some good ones this year, right? Uh, the super fan uh, out of Seattle, Nadia, who acknowledged the the cancerous uh, cell on uh, on the assistant equipment manager in Vancouver, right. Red, uh, Chris Snow and his wonderful family and, and the work that he's done with ALS um, and uh, the acknowledgement there. Mark Curtin, a good buddy of ours, the work that he's done with Sunnybrook Hospital and, and all of that. And that's... That's what the show is truly about. And I didn't acknowledge that. And I apologize to those um, that no, noticed it, especially, again, like my wife. And, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I got to go back to my wife a little bit and saying, you know, you know, there's Sammy and, and Justin Bourne, and, and they didn't acknowledge those great stories either. <laughs> and, then she, and, and then she goes to me, well, they're as big of an idiot as you are then. And I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yes. And totally fair. Yes, they are. They are. We're yes. three idiots on this show. <laughs> so, so, this the problem. The show. Three it is the problem is that there's not one guy who's not an idiot. To point us in the right direction on stuff like that, I, I feel like hey, I should take some lead on that. And and <laughs> your all... take was still right about Keaton Thompson. That well, joke stunk. Stunk out loud. That's what I told her. I said, like, I'm sorry, but I was so fixated on on wanting to Will Smith Keenan Thompson that I forgot about all those great <laughs> stories. Uh, yeah, we. And, you can tell where our priorities were, our focus was, and that's yes. that's a good acknowledgement today, Kipper. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad thanks. someone said it. Thanks, thanks. Okay, so let's get let, let's get going here on Game Five because uh, one of the most one of the most bizarre finishes uh, in Game Four that really stemmed out of John Cooper and his post game uh, comments uh, about uh, leave, leaving us with a cliffhanger. I mean, not since uh, I think the seventies with. Uh, who shot Jr. in Dallas? Uh, have we experienced anything like that? <laughs> but uh, uh, I heard. Uh, what's that, Tammy? I heard Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt talking about this yesterday, and uh, Benny did a great. He's like John Cooper started his press conference by saying, "In the beginning of time." <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Well, because it's so true. He went back to his birth. 
<laughs> yes, yes. So let's. Let, so here we were, 24 hours later. Let's get a sense of where John Cooper was uh, uh, at that post-game uh, podium, and, and where he was the next day, where he uh, he acknowledged it. Let's go to his uh, what considered an apology. What do you think, boys? Let's have a listen. So <laughs> it's it's funny because you you know you're an emotional game, and and I. Um, you know, I found it odd that they got that wide open in the, in the play, but there's nothing you can really, you know, from our angle on the bench and the reviewing, like whether the puck's in the net. So the only way I can find out is I have to go back in the room and, and, and look at the tape. So um, you do, and then you have to f- face all of you five minutes after an emotional loss. And so I apologize, you know, for last night um, because that's what you get when you have to speak to the media right away um i don't know i it's uh what's great about today is that it's not yesterday and now it's it's uh like i'm you know got some excitement for uh for game five and and that's where like now my mind's turning on how to win that nothing i can we can do to turn back they missed it uh it's unfortunate but it's uh, water under the bridge now. It's uh, should be a hell of a game five. We can we can laugh about this now, guys. Hey, can't we? Hey, let's all yeah. have a, a good chuckle. Uh, I I love that. I love it. I love I love what's great about today is that it's not yesterday. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like me talking to Allie after I had like the tenth beer. The next morning, I was like, you know, today is, it's not tomorrow. That's a good thing. I, you know, today we can go out, we can go for a bike ride. Today is a new day. Like, it just sounded like sober second thoughts. It, it was a big swing and a miss for him. Uh, but as I've said this, and I'll stay consistent on it, I like John Cooper, and I will give him the benefit of the doubt oh, on yeah all those comments or how he led the the media or the fan base on it. Uh, This guy, think about how many times in the last three years he had to uh, come up with different ways to either keep his team, you know, stimulated or, you know, uh, make changes or find different ways to motivate them. This guy's been through a hell of a lot. I I think – those comments after game four um certainly uh from from my end uh get get uh he, he gets a mulligan that's what he well, gets he gets, he to gets hit, a mully uh, kipper a breakfast ball. he gets sure he gets a he gets a breakfast ball but he made par like he, he he the results he was trying to achieve were he wanted to not get fined for criticizing the officials and not look like he was crying about it and he wanted us to talk about it he wanted the story to be about how they got jobbed he got his message across. We talked about it to death. He didn't get fined. Like, it was a bit, uh, histrionics were a bit. A bit, bit it was a bit of grand. It was dramatic. It was a bit much. But, I, you know, he accomplished his goal. So I appreciate him uh, today, you know, trying to explain that away. And, yeah, on to game five, I guess. Boy, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Has Tampa still got a shot, fellas? Well, to your point... Uh, what Cooper has gone through in the last 24 hours could be a footnote, but if Tampa Bay finds a way to win, then then that story that you just told, uh, it grows legs. Right? Like it's, you know, the 
you got to convince your team that they they had one taken away from them and that it's us against them. So many coaches now spend time focusing on making their team feel like the underdog, right? Every Before every playoff series, well, they got this guy and this guy and that guy. We're just happy to be here. Anything we get is just gravy. Painting your team in a light where you're the underdog, I, I think that's it's the best he can do for a Tampa Bay Lightning team. I think I think if I can push back a little bit on that, Borny, that's a it's an it's a bit of an overused coaching thing, though. Like I, I feel like it's what so like I remember uh, Nick Saban, the coach of Alabama, like tries to do it. He's like, ah, you know, like we're on. Like it's like got, coaches of really good teams sometimes overplay that card, and I think yeah. Tampa really did overplay that. Like even in the Leafs, he was trying to paint that in the Leafs series. Here, I think they really are underdogs, so it's valid. But I do think that coaches go to that well a little you bit. You know what too though? Sometimes. I, I will say this about Cooper though: he, he's played two sides of it uh, during these playoffs, whereas. He gave no credit to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He refused to give the Leafs the credit that they're good. He gave it to the Rangers, you, you, even in the you know right to the very end at the 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 handshake line. And I know he acknowledged uh, Sheldon Keefe on the, uh, the handshake line, but during the series, he gave them feathers when it came <laughs> to any credit at all. And so he's played two sides of that. But I didn't think – I thought – I maybe I'm just remembering all the series are going together, but I thought him playing the underdog card against the Leafs too about the regular season points. I don't know. Maybe I'm remembering things incorrectly. Yeah. But I just thought – like I just feel like coaches really go to that a lot, but now they are big-time underdogs, and you can play away on that card because yeah. what are they – what are they plus you – know, 10 to 1 to come back in this series? Like they are underdogs on the ice and underdogs in betting. I really do feel like – I don't know. What do you think? They get tonight against interesting, but tonight is going to be a massive uphill climb. I don't know. I, I really don't know if they got it in them. Well, let's you go to. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. to. Uh, you want to say something before we go to another? No, clip? no. I was going to throw to a clip. I'll let you. Okay. It. Yeah. All right. John Cooper for a second. Kipper's Clipper here on uh, perhaps uh, needing a break. You know what? Good, really good chance we could have won that game in regulation. We felt pretty damn good about ourselves. Uh, did they get the better of us in overtime? There's no question they did. Uh, but this is a game of breaks. Oftentimes you make them and sometimes you get them. And Colorado's up 3-1 in this series because they've made a lot of breaks. Um, but you look at their goals last night. They scored. McKinnon's, neither, neither one of them touched a stick and went in the net. McKinnon didn't know where it was, went off his skate, rolled in. And the second one's going six feet wide and hits Cogliano's knee. But they made their breaks, like good on them. And th that's what happens when you make them. And then, you know, the game winner is a unfortunate non-call. That's how you get breaks. Listen, this is the king of getting them. Like I'm, I've gotten them, you know, in teams I've had when we've won, you know, or had leads in games or won championships, you get those. But what comes around goes around. I love it. I love this guy. He he, he literally just said he's like, uh, you know, they're completely lucky. They didn't even shoot any in the net. You know, pucks going wide, it goes in. But they made their own breaks, right, guys? Like, I mean, he's like, uh, <laughs> you but, don't but believe we, that, John? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there's, uh, I, I think there's some valid points. Like, you you, you need a pinball uh, to beat Vasilevsky. You needed yeah. two of them. And can can you shoot the puck straight in on this guy? It's a, it's still a tough task here. Yeah, I. That's great too. You know, he's painting that story, trying to, you know, don't let Colorado get too confident. Hey, boys, you didn't even shoot one in the net. 
you know, you banked one in, you cheated on one. <laughs> this guy's the best. Give me Cooper Cliffs for like, can he get hired by the Leafs? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, there's also Pat Maroon who pretty much summed it up uh, this way. Let's go to this one. Yeah, I mean, I think Mac touched on a little bit. I think just focus on a game. We have to go win a f- game right now. Sorry for my f- language. But, yeah, we just have, we have to go win a game. I mean, we can't focus on – right now our focus is game five, and we have to go win. I mean, there's nothing really we can do. Pat Maroon, that guy is a that human t- butt heavy. With, with that type of language, <laughs> you're going to be a regular on the real Kipper and Bourne show. <laughs> yeah, let's get this guy on. Honest to God, we should get that guy on. He is a human Budweiser. I love him. He's just like uh, he, You should have seen what he rolled up to this press conference wearing. He was wearing like this like greasy bit, like fedora. Like it looked really beat up. He had this like horrible like looked like he had just jumped out of the shower for some reason. And he's just like looking at the at the press, just swearing at them. He's an interesting guy, Marie. It's not a hard game sometimes, and that guy keeps it simple. I admire I admire his – it's hockey, you know. Get it deep, hit people, try to shoot it in the net. It's not that hard. So you have to assume with Vasilevsky there's always a chance that this thing could get extended. Uh, I went through it in 94. We were up 3-1. People start talking about who's in town, where's the party after, uh, who's staying around for the, the parade, all of that. Uh, you can't avoid that conversation. As much as you know that the players are saying don't get ahead of yourselves, you get ahead of yourself. It's just yeah. human nature. you got to make some plans. No, I totally appreciate that. So you guys lost games uh, five and six? Yep. We're up 3-1. Yep, yeah. coming home. And so and, uh, did you you start to feel that slipping the pressure? Oh, and... <laughs> oh was the it was tight around the collar, very yeah. tight along uh, along the collar. I really assumed guys uh going into game 4 that we were just looking at a homer series, that this thing yeah. was going to play out the especially the way t- both teams have shown uh, wide wide uh margin of uh of beating uh, your opposition on home ice, that this was just going to inevitably end up a seven-game series, which it still might if Vasilevsky can steal one tonight. Uh, But uh, if I'm Colorado, man, I'm awfully nervous uh, losing tonight. Boy, I tell you, there's just some... There's some guys on that team that I think are going to make it really hard for Colorado to let it slip. You all remember all that stuff about McKinnon and making the team eating chickpea pasta and how committed (laughs) this guy is? Like Eric Johnson, that guy missed 62 games last year with a concussion and all their playoff run. Like, there's some motivated avalanche guys, and I know there'd be distraction kipper with the cup in the building and all that, but I just, I got to believe you're going to see a good Colorado team at home tonight with that crowd. Yeah. So teams, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, teams that have a 3-1 series lead in the Stanley Cup Final, do you want to know what their record is? I do. Really? 35-1. A 9.72 winning percentage. And this, actually, it wasn't even the Leafs that blew a (laughs) 3-1 lead because they weren't in the final. So we can't even say it was the Leafs. Or maybe it was in 1940 when they were actually relevant. I don't know. The also the the good news is is you know Kemper didn't have to outplay Vasilevsky last game. He just needed to make the saves that he was supposed to make, which he did. If he can do it one more time, I uh, he gets to stand tall here, which a lot of people doubted. 
Yep. No, and that's Kemper's going to be a huge part of that. Um, do you guys want to hear from Bednar and trying to close out the Lightning and what he thinks they need to do to make that happen? Perfect segue. All right, It'd be great. It. I mean, you work all season long to try to get home ice advantage, and we came in and got a split in Tampa, um, played better the second night than we did in the first, and now we have to go better that performance. I mean, our guys will be excited. They'll be playing with desperation. Should make for a great hockey game. We don't need Bednar to coach the Leafs. I can tell you that. <laughs> that that energy would be off the charts tonight, though, in, in that yeah. building. I, I mean, guys, we had the Stanley Cup at a, in Sportsnet the one day, and I was I was ready to. You know, how do you do a radio <laughs> show aggressively? It's just like so excited. I can't imagine these guys knowing they got the chance to get that tonight. As as far as what physically Tampa Bay have left, and we saw them down to 5D, uh, Ryan McDonough, to me, uh, it looks like, I, I don't know if you can squeeze anything more out of him, um, but uh, even on the game-winning goal, flat-footed, some, it, it, the look is starting to change a little bit on, on Tampa for me, physically. Mm-hmm. But do they have one more gear here? Can they... Can they win? Uh, they're, they're never going to outskate this team, Colorado. Uh, but can they play a rope-a-dope? Can they do, play a, a perfect chip-and-chase game uh, yeah. uh, against and, and wait uh, for, for a Kucherov or a Stamkos uh, to, to break one open here? You know what makes me believe that so much of why it looks like Colorado is so much faster than them is due to Tampa Bay's injuries? Because Tampa Bay has played fast hockey teams in this playoffs and hasn't looked slow. Toronto Maple Leafs are a fast team, and they hung with them. You know, I think Toronto looked a bit faster, but Tampa hung with them. Uh, Florida's a fast team. The Rangers are a really fast team. And Tampa hung with these teams fairly well, so it's not like they can't handle fast. What they can't handle is fast while they're limping around on one leg or while they're, you know, hiding a hand or nursing a shoulder. It just looks to me like the attrition here for the the Lightning is going to be a big story, and I think will be the story. If Colorado wins in five, the story for me is going to be that Tampa Bay just wasn't able to be at their best. They didn't have Braden Point. You know, is Point going to go tonight? Have we heard anything on that tonight? I think he's probably not. Even if he is, uh, it's been a struggle watching him. He has not been the same player that we've watched this time of year, for two for two seasons uh, in a in a bubble and obviously uh, last season and even if he does it, is there going to be much of a different feel on on point coming in um, the damage is done whatever he's going through but you clearly just need good bodies limited him. yeah you, you know like the only player so. I think this all the time about Tampa Bay when I'm watching the games. There's just no guy. There's not a single player that when the puck to him gets to him, I'm like, ah, you know, he's a filler. He's an extra guy. But Riley Nash is that for me. When Braden Point isn't in and the, the puck goes near Nash, I'm like, oh, what happened there? You know, like it doesn't look like Tampa Bay to me. They just need Point in so they, you know, they can be the team who's so solid all the way throughout. No disrespect to Nash, but he's not Braden Point. He's not quite the Tampa Bay Lightning type guy. I don't know. I, I think I'm putting Point in, you know, yeah. even if he's 60%. Well, exactly. Like, is is this a cadre scenario? You'll just take him at a at a much lower percentage than you would others uh, who were physically stronger. 
Only concern, I guess, is if it's growing like we think, that is something that you can make significantly worse, right? Yeah. Real, con uh, real concern on that. Yeah. Uh, and if if they do manage to find a way to extend this, it will grow their legacy. I'm, I, I had a good conversation with JD in the, in the morning show today, and he's like, there's a there's a fine line between what was still to be gained for Tampa Bay's legacy with a mm -hmm. third championship and where it falls short. And of course we're talking about different eras when you talk about great dynasties and and what we think is still modern day Islanders, Edmonton, um the Canadians in the 70s, but I don't know. I mean, I, I still will hold this team in, in such high regard for for no other reason that even against those other dynasties, they, they never had so many chances to to be written off like this present team has. Well, it's it's funny. Let's say they lose tonight or next game. Um, they'll have won two Stanley Cups. You know, in the last. I don't know, 15, 20 years. L.A. won two Stanley Cups. Chicago won three Stanley Cups. Pittsburgh won two Stanley Cups. Like, teams have won multiple Cups, and Tampa would just be another one of that group. But if you ask me who is the best of those groups, like, it, it's this Tampa team for me. It's this resilient team that just doesn't seem to die. I guess Chicago, you know, uh, winning the three Cups is above and beyond, but that's what the difference is for Tampa. Are you going to become the best team of the modern era? Or are you just going to be one of the teams that won two cups? Yeah, that's. I think it's a, a valid point for sure. Uh, that uh, that's the difference between a third consecutive or not. Yeah, you you instantly jump into that conversation, and there's many reasons why you can say that uh, when you when you factor in the salary cap and and uh, a few other things that. Uh, it's not you're not comparing apples to apples here no no so, doubt about that you guys are talking about all uh like sort of historic stuff there's a little bit of history in the line for the avalanche tonight too i saw the stat that um they enter tonight's series clinching game potentially with a 15 and 3 record and can join elite company uh, if they take out the Lightning. Since 1987, when all rounds became best of seven, only one team has finished a postseason with fewer than four losses, and it's the 88 Oilers. So it's a pretty, you know, that's a, a amazing number, really. That like, is. to go through the playoffs with less than four losses is pretty unbelievable. And having two of them be to the same team, you know, that's, that's even crazier. So that's uh, a lot of history on the line for the Avalanche tonight, who was the best team all year. They swept two series. They're on, they're on the brink of winning in five. It's it. They're they're a real juggernaut, and I'm interested to see like how much it goes into next year. But I just wanted to bring that stat up. 1988 Oilers went 16 and two. Mm -hmm. Like that's just <laughs> off against the, the best teams in the league, right? Like just playoff teams, just other great teams. It's insanity. By the way, this is a random note for me. One thing I'm betting for tonight. I thought Alex Kalorn looked awesome last night, or the game in Game Four. He's one of the guys that had legs. He scored zero times in playoffs. I'm betting on a Kalorn goal tonight. I thought he looked awesome. Like I don't know. I was just like that guy has jump. He hasn't scored zero. yet. They're going to be in Colorado. Zero goals. Twenty five in the regular season. Um, anyway, I'm throwing throwing money on Kalorn tonight. Just thought I'd throw that in there. If the difference between Tampa Bay winning and losing comes down to Kalorn. 
Um, it might. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I love Kalorn. Yeah. I love Palat. But uh, this has got Vasilevsky, Hedman. Uh, also, Kucherov, Hedman was unbelievable last written week. All, written all over this. Those guys are going to be at have to be the horses that they've been for the last I do have years. concern that they managed to lose a game where Vasilevsky looked that good and Victor Hedman looked that good. Victor Hedman rushing the puck last game was like, I mean, Kale McCarr-esque. But, uh, yeah, they, they're going to need some a Stamkos Kucherov show tonight, maybe a power play goal or two. What did you think of that, uh, the backhand, though, on Kemper was your first thought was, holy moly, what a great rush? Or No. Uh, well, my first thought. That? Yeah, he should add that. But it's it's like Hedman's third or fourth good rush of that period. So I did I did think about the rush, but no, I, definitely you want Kemper to get that. I think I think I think that's just a a perfect shot to make a goalie look bad because he's coming in off the off the rush. It doesn't really he didn't really give any indication that he was going to shoot it. He kind of had shot his head looking the other way, and he just kind of in mid stride feathered it backhand, and it went perfectly below you know kind of in that perfect spot above the pad below the yeah. blocker. It made it made Kemper look bad, and it's one you probably want. But I think if you're asking a goalie, asking you know Mike McKenna, he'd say that's a tough one for for uh, for a goalie to get. Okay, as promised, it's Friday, which means that uh, uh, the jet ski would have been tuned up. Uh, the, the Porsche is full of gas. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, let's bring in Doug McLean. That's what that's what Fridays mean. <laughs> I had to go into town and pick up the jet ski <laughs> from my. Uh, I had it stored at my brother's plant here in in Summerside, so I just went in and picked it up. And, and I, you know, which is uh, he just opened this CBD oil plant in PEI, which is a sort of a first, which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> Another reason anyway, to make money for the McLeans. Another reason to just <laughs> bask in a pile of money for the McLean family. So CBD Mac, extract. It's for it's for good good people for good health. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are um, are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to be jet skiing uh, as early as this weekend, or is there a chance that this thing could uh, be extended? Let's start there. The question is. Will they, they will be jet skiing probably for sure. It's whether the cup will be on the jet ski or not on the jet ski. <laughs> I, you know what? For me, with Vasilevsky, it wouldn't shock me. They could they could win tonight. It really wouldn't shock me. But this is a this is a, a group that they haven't had to contend with this entire playoff. I mean, Fox gave them problems with the Rangers, but the, McCarr. Taves and company have really given them challenges from the, the attack coming from the back end and the mobility of that back end of Colorado, not to mention the speed up front. But it's it's been something, I, like I said, I thought they had a lot of trouble with Fox in that Ranger series, or especially early on and on the power play. Yeah, the uh, the Vasilevsky storyline is going to be an, an interesting one to watch. Um, how how much stock do you think it's fair to put in injuries having Tampa Bay looking maybe a little bit a little bit not like Tampa Bay here, or is it kind of like every team's heard of this time of year? I'm trying I'm trying to put into context just how much to weigh these injuries for the Lightning. You know what I? They obviously Colorado 
uh, you know, with the few games they've had to play in this playoff run, have had a much easier route. I think Tampa Bay is banged up. I mean, I think it's an accumulation of a, of a couple of years, too. I mean, they've had short breaks, short off-seasons. And it was, a, you know, physical. the Toronto series was a grind for them. Even the Panther one that was fast was a, was a grind. And the Rangers, they made it a grind because they were so bad the first two games. They made it a real grind, that series. And it was a hard-fought series. The way they're playing now is caught me off guard. They have become a chip-and-chase team. Like, have you ever seen a blue line that chips the puck in and out of danger so much? It's bizarre to me how this high-flying Tampa Bay Lightning offensive machine have become a checking, chip-move-the-puck-safe-areas type of team. It, it's, it's caught me off guard. It, it it has worked in the past, though, Mac. Uh, could that just be sure. Cooper yeah. keeping things simple because he, he is dealing with a team that uh, has pushed so hard the last three years? Well, I think it's, you know, Coop is a, is a great guy. He's, he's a great PR guy. He's done a really good job. I, I think this Lalonde guy, their assistant coach flies under the radar there. I, I keep hearing he's a sharp guy. I keep hearing that he might be he might be in the mix in Detroit. Um, interesting, you know, with Stevie Wise connection there. So I, I think their assistants have done a really good job with the way the team plays. Coop obviously is in charge of that group, so he deserves the credit. Yeah, they they've been a well coached team throughout the playoffs for a number of years. So I, I like I like what they're doing, but Colorado, man, they, I mean, how how long can you keep hoping you're going to keep McKinnon off the score sheet and the Rantman and Landeskog and Kadri and on and on? I mean, Lekkonen, uh, under the radar trade. By the way, they gave up a hell of a kid in Barron to get Lekkonen, but this is a uh, – is that how you pronounce his name, Lekkonen? Lek- yep. Lekkonen. All right, Mac. He's been uh, a great pickup for them. Yeah, he he great depth guy. He was um, he was great in, in yeah. Montreal. We're talking to Doug McLean, former NHL president, GM, head coach. He's done it all. You're the perfect guy to talk about maybe what John Cooper has gone through the last 24 hours. We've been around a long time, Mac. Covered a lot of games, uh, both sides of uh, broadcasting and playing. Have you? Heard, have you seen anything more bizarre than what John Cooper uh, went through after game four and, and leaving uh, everybody with a bit of a cliffhanger on that and then coming back the next day and, and, and apologizing? Um, and can, can you feel with your experience what that is like, uh, the constant pressure of, of going to a podium moments after a game, being emotional and sometimes not maybe thinking things through on – on what you want to say or how you present? You know, it, it, it drives you batty. I remember in the Rangers series, my second year in Florida, a big, big goal was scored by the Rangers in a, in a goalie interference play where Ben Beesbrook got rammed over, and I was so – I couldn't shake it. it. It turned the series, and it was a – it pissed me off so much that I couldn't shake it, and – he, you know what? He is so good with the media, uh, so good either way, wins or lo- losses. Did he set this up a little bit? Probably not. He was probably just so ticked off and upset about the goal. 
um, which he should have been. He should have been. I mean, and I, I mean, it happens. Those things happen all the time. But it, I thought it was a little bizarre. But he, maybe he made his point. Maybe it was calculated. I doubt if it was calculated. And then he comes back, and he's such a good guy with the media that he apologizes. I, why would you apologize to those guys? Like, seriously. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. Doug, we've, uh, we've been talking about... To the refer- apologize to the referees on the QT. Say, hey, boys, I know you screwed up. It was a, you know, but... Who cares about apologizing to the media? Like, give me a friggin' break. The media, the <laughs> fake news media. Uh, Doug, we beat up this yeah. uh, series here for 30 minutes or so. I, I was kind of hoping to, to steer you away and get your thoughts on some other things happening around the NHL, one of which is in Ottawa where they're rumored to have reached a new deal for an arena um, in La Breton Flats there. What are your thoughts on the situation there, what that could do for potentially the uh, a sale of the, the franchise or if the Melnicks would want to st- you know, keep their ownership? What are your thoughts on what's going on in Ottawa right now? Well, it's going to be fun to see where they come up, where the billion dollars comes from. You know, that'll be the, the interesting situation. Where does that money come from? They're in the great city to get government grants. I know that. So the government will step to the plate for Ottawa. But here's, here's, there's two scenarios that, there's three scenarios that are disasters in the NHL, okay? One of them is the Arizona Coyotes, and they got a rink, major rink issue that they're playing in a peewee building. Then, or a college building, sorry. Then you got the Florida <laughs> Panthers that are in Sunrise, that are in, that are in Sunrise, that's a disaster. Be where that building was put versus being put in Fort Lauderdale. I was there when Wayne Izinga made the decision to go to Sunrise. It was a disastrous decision versus building that building in Fort Lauderdale. And the third franchise that's got major problems is Ottawa, where that building was put. And that was the way they got the team because Firestone, the original owner, owned land out there, which was most of his net worth, which was a how they got the franchise. So those three franchises desperately need buildings in downtown areas, and I think it's great for the Sens. I think it could be huge for the Sens if they could pull it off. And, I mean, obviously there's lots of people want to get involved in the ownership of the Sens. I can't believe that, that the Melnick family will pull this off without heavy, heavy hitters coming from outside to fund this. That's just my well, own thoughts. Then you know, here's my own thought, and just to touch on your last uh, thought is, have we not learned anything in the past here? It's like okay, you're you're throwing this uh, idea of a, a new facility again, o- old news. You've done it before. No one's, no one's asked, or they've not answered one basic question, Mac. Who's paying for this new rink? Doesn't that bring us right back to the issues before? Who is stroking the check? Can we have an answer to that before we get all excited? Well, remember, I used to ask Anthony LeBlanc on Hockey Central at noon, Anthony, people tell me you're losing $30 million a year in Arizona. And he was the president or whatever he was. And he said, dog, that's not even close to being accurate. Remember those days? Now Anthony's a spokesman in Ottawa. So don't tell me you're going to get a right answer out of this guy. And I like Anthony, but last time I met Anthony was at the Marriott Dunn and he was buying a CFL team for Halifax. So then all of a sudden he's in Ottawa. So, uh, yeah, it won't be easy. 
Anyway, I think he's better suited for the CFL, but maybe that's just my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, Kipper, did you have something else on that? No, I'm, I'm good on Ottawa. I listened uh... – uh, there's still so many unresolved, uh, it, you know, issues still, uh, including the one, the big one. But uh, it is an attractive, yeah, it, especially with the the talent there for the next five, seven, maybe ten years. It is attractive now, and and it it's all about the value. It's always been about the value. It's always going to be about the value. And right now, they want to justify including a a, a facility. To that number that you talked about, Mac, the the number now amongst uh, all franchises in the National Hockey League, they start at a billion dollars right now. That's the key in all of this: is that they're they're spreading the word that this is a billion dollar team. The Ottawa's a billion dollar team. Are you going to pay that for Florida too? Because they're they're for sale as well, I hear. So uh, are they a billion? How, how do you get a billion for a team that's losing fifty million a year? But anyway, that's all businesses that, now. It's a different Uber type of, and we work and it's a different type. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's the way it is. But you know what? I, do you think they're worth a billion still with McGuire gone? With Pierre McGuire getting fired, do you think they're still worth a billion? <laughs> Maybe one point two. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway, he proved me wrong. He's not a finalist anymore. He's All right. not a finalist anymore. He did he did get the job, so didn't last long, but he got the job. Hey, um let's let's spread it around the league a little bit here. Uh the Boston Bruins and uh the thought that uh, Patrice Bergeron will be back another year. Uh surprised? No, I'm not surprised at all. Why would he why, I mean, he's had such a great career in Boston. He's been the heart and soul of the franchise. I mean, he's going to play with Pasternak and Marchand in all likelihood. Why Why would he leave? I, I, I don't think there's any value in that. I don't think the Cassidy thing had any bearing on the whole thing. I don't think he was a big fan of Cassidy, but I, I still I don't think it has anything to do with it. I think it's just finishing his career where he should finish his career. And... Uh, you know, the coaching is going to be interesting. I, I keep hearing Jay Leach, and it wouldn't surprise me that David Quinn gets this job. Boston guy, a history of college hockey, had a run with the Rangers where he was where he was pretty good with a young team. So, you know what? Um, he's probably learned from that experience, so it wouldn't surprise me if Quinn ends up there. And I think he'd be a good choice, given him a, a second opportunity. I, I did hear the interview went really well, and, and he may be the leading candidate. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, I'd be uh, surprised uh, if he isn't. Like, I, you, you learn from a New York Ranger experience as a head coach. You you learn, and I, I, I think he's a good man. So it'll be – and it, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. But that's just my own opinion. Well, hey, that's what we want. We're, we're calling you because we want it. The uh, the last uh, opinion I want from you, Doug, from for me anyway, is uh, on the Paul Maurice taking over in Florida. Andrew Brunette uh, nominated for Coach of the Year, uh, now made maybe an assistant coach. What, what are your thoughts on the shuffle there? Like, how does this – I mean, I've watched this circus for so long. It just never ends for me. Like, Burnett, I didn't like what, how they handle him, but it doesn't surprise me how they do business there. It, it, it just continues. It's been doing that for 20 years. 
Now I've got another guy chasing my playoff record. Burnett, you know, I've got 22 playoff wins as Panther coach, and I got Burnett as the closest at four. He's the closest. So now now I get a, you know, now Paul Maurice comes in and he gets to chase my record of 22 playoff wins. It's been there for 20 years. Like, seriously, can't somebody break that damn record? You know, so anyway, we'll see how this goes. DeBoer and Maurice were the two biggest surprises. I I mean, I'm blown away DeBoer gets the Dallas job. I really am. And I was surprised Maurice gets that job. I I really was. So I like Paul. I like Peter. I'm just surprised that um, I'm just surprised that both those teams went in that direction. I really am. You know what I think? I think Sportsnet uh, executives now are are working on maybe a Pierre Maguire, Doug McLean show uh, in the fall called uh, <laughs> the the M and M's. What do you think? You know, you once upon a time you did uh, a, a show. Somebody with, said, uh, "Well, yeah, with with who? You, Jack you Armstrong. And, and you Mark. were so successful with Jack Armstrong oh. in the afternoons. They may put uh, Pierre Maguire and you together. You know what? It, it, it would have to be remote. It would have to be on a remote. <laughs> we couldn't be together in the same room. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Anyway. anyway. Listen, focus okay. on jet skiing this weekend, okay? They're tuned up. They're ready to go. Hey, I've got a huge golf week this week. Mill River Monday. Green Gables Tuesday. Cavendish Green Gables Tuesday. Wednesday, Glasgow Hills. Thursday, Crowbush. Wow. And I'm looking at it, and it's going to be 75 and sunny every day except Tuesday, where it looks like there's a 50% chance of rain. So I'm looking forward to a great golf. We got a buddy, a a buddy of mine coming from Palm Beach, uh, Dorian DeMorge, and a judge. He's a judge in Palm Beach. He's come down and going to, he's a golf fanatic. So we're going to play four straight days. Jim Clark, the director of pro scouting with the Sens, is going to join us one day. And Darren Millard. Is going to join wow. us for two days. All star. Our our invitation got lost. I'm sure. That's okay. Yes. Yes. In- well, you have to work. These guys are all either fired or basically. <laughs> so they're not. They're off. They're off the Enjoy your huge <laughs> golf weekend. By the way, I'm going to the I'm going to the draft. Are you going to you guys going to be at the draft doing your show? Listen, it's June 24th. Okay, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> All right. The moment this thing is over, it's over. We have no thoughts of working any longer. Doug McLean. Okay. Friend of the Friday Thanks, show. Thanks, guys. Oh, what a beauty. What that, a beauty. That that was some Doug McLean interview right that there. Was, yeah, that wow, was that was even by chart. Doug McLean standards, that was very <laughs> Doug McLeany. Off the rails Friday with Doug McLean. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, plenty still to talk about uh, when we come back after the break, including Vancouver Canucks shopping JT Miller. Sammy, big fan? Mm, massive fan. All right, Bring we'll him. get into that more. Real Kipper and Bourne. On Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and wherever you pick up your podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Taking a look around the league. News and notes. Let's start with uh, JT Miller. A couple of GMs have told me that uh, it's been clear that uh, the Vancouver Canucks have uh, made it uh, made teams aware that uh, they're willing to listen to offers on JT Miller. And uh, with one year left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken, at $5.2 million, uh, the thought is, is uh, that could be a pretty good return for the Vancouver Canucks and give Jimmy Rutherford uh, a different feel and look going into next season. Uh, let's start with you guys. How attractive is JT Miller? And is there a possible th- uh, thought, Sammy, that uh, Kyle Dubas can get involved in this, this, this just phone it into the league. Willie for JT Miller, one for one, just straight up phone it into the league. Done deal. <laughs> you think the, the you, Canucks want to take on trade? salary? You're, yeah, you're they, take, they, they love. Ah, they love Swedish guys out there. They, 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 it's a perfect fit. Just put them in Vancouver. You know, they'll like them out there. JT Miller's gritty, still scores. It's just, it's a perfect, perfect trade. So call it in. Call your boys at the at the league, Kipper. That that's a done deal. Yeah. See, I I like JT Miller. In a perfect world, if I wanted to go into a, a Game 7 scenario yet again uh, for the Leafs, I'd rather have JT Miller than Willie Nylander all day long. No doubt. But, no doubt. I as well. But for me, uh, three years makes a big difference. Yeah, uh, control. And JT Miller is 29 years of age, and Willie is 26. To me, uh in terms of longevity and and uh, more prime years, I, I'm giving up a lot out of Willie Nylander uh, with that age difference. That's that that would be my only concern. Yeah, and and I truly think the Canucks' whole thing is they want cap flexibility. Like I can't see them taking on nearly seven million dollars an extra. What is it, one and a half per year? For for Willie, you're right. The prime years thing is another big thing, big part of the equation. Uh, you know, it, it's no, it's not a no-brainer because you're right. Then you gotta. I don't think Kyle likes trading for guys who don't have at least an extra year, like a, a rental. You know, what do you do with Miller at that point? You just let him walk. You know, sign him to eight or nine million per year uh, for thirty so listen, through whatever. You know, next year well, is is Dubis is next year's Dubis is all in year. Next year is it for him. He's on like so his you have a better fourth all in year in a row. Well, you're right. You're right. Maybe, but like, if you have a better chance to win the Stanley Cup next year with JT Miller or Willie Nylander, that would be the question even, I would be asking you. Even if you got rid of Kerfoot's three point five, Hall's two million, Mrazek's three point eight, can you can you afford re-signing Miller at eight or nine million dollars a year? There's just no room for that. It's just yeah, that's why he's a rental. So you're going to no give sense. up. A, you're right. Would you give up? Don't a trade first? it. Don't call it in. You're right. <laughs> would you give up a first in Sandine to rent him for one year? No, you can't. No. You can't. Well, you're no so, fun, boys. Come on. I know. I know, Sammy. I know. I know. It's, you know. All right. Another name, t- guys. I know. Yep. I know we're under the clock here, but another strange one for me is this news out of Winnipeg about Pierre Luc Dubois. In informing the Winnipeg Jets that he intends to test free agency, and if I'm not mistaken, in two years. This isn't like 
next year. This is two years from now. Really? This is this is okay. one step below Denny Lemieux saying, trade me right now and hang that phone up. <laughs> if you ask this me. This guy seems like a bit of a tough hang, eh? You know, Do he what? wants to you know what? The guy's like, Can I just not live in Columbus or Winnipeg? Can you guys trade can I go play? I don't know. Back to never the Rangers. heard of this before. <laughs> I've never heard of a player coming out and volunteering this information. Just leave it alone. It is and, and you don't draw any attention to it. I don't know. It's crazy to me. You're right. All right. It's difficult. Just like that, uh, our hour is up. Enjoy game five. We'll see if we can uh, present a trophy or not uh, as early as tonight. Our thanks to Doug McLean and all of you all week for watching or listening anyways, not watching anymore, subscribing. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. Love to hear from you. Have a great one, everybody. Real Kipper and Bourne.